Conan, that's not Timo Werner's run either. <laughs> it's that's Thomas's Tuchel's run. He's told them to do that. <laughs> yeah. So Timo, what we've learned here is that Timo Werner can speak English. <laughs> And he can move his legs. That's all we've learned from that Champions League final goal. Well, hang on. Thomas Tuchel can speak German. We don't know he can speak English. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Coleman, a little dink into the middle. As soon as I'm obviously on the pitch, I'm just, um, you know, at my happiest. Yeah, I never win something for Portugal national team, but I win tonight. He can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take it because we've out tactics him, we've outwitted him. You're playing international football. You're playing international football. Control the bloody ball. Pass it and move to your mates. And if you lose it. Run back and run back like you care. Harry Kane has been involved in this tournament for about an hour of football across four games. And you know who was playing alongside him? Super Jack Grealish. That's right, Liam. I found the angle. You know, Gareth Southgate might be succeeding in this tournament, but by God, we are going to find the angle. And let's be honest, a week is a long time in football. Since we were last speaking, Alvaro Morata has turned into a, a cool finisher, a dead eye finisher. And the group of deaf, Germany, France, Portugal, gone, 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 all in the last 16. But like Jack Grealish, you're speaking afterwards, like, you know, we, we've said everything there is to say about Jack Grealish and his impact on any team, but the energy of him, just even after a game, you know, in an interview, before games and interviews, he just has a great aura around him a great positive vibe the way he plays football he has a smile on his face all the time he's so confident in a, in a really nice way he's so calm in a really cool way and you know they're asking him they're asking him about his performance basically and has he worked his way into it. like how many times does jack really have to play well and all their people then ask has he done enough to start it's like the answer is <laughs> the answer is always yes he has done enough to start um, and I think it sums him up when he was talking about the goal he assisted. Uh, he was very quick to remind everybody that they played a part in the first goal as well, <laughs> which he did. But like you know, he was saying, thought I played well, like you know, which was good because when I first came on, I was slipping all over the place. I didn't know what was going on, but uh, he got the grips of it. And then he mentioned that assist. He said, "I was actually going to shoot. I was going to get it onto my left and shoot, and then I saw Hitch, so I gave it to him. And if you look at the replay, like in slow motion." As he's winding up, he's about to shoot. So he just sees Harry Kane in the splittest of a split second and decides to play a pinpoint cross instead of his left foot onto his head. And like that's what he does. He makes these decisions in real time all the time. And it's almost like it's a good idea to play him. What do you think? <laughs> ah, yeah. Like, the, the way he shifted his body for that, uh, it had me fooled. I was certain he was going to shoot and I thought that was the big moment. I thought that was going to be the moment that would make this podcast enjoyable for English fans. <laughs> like, let's be honest here. England have scored four goals in this tournament. Jack Grealish has assisted two of them and his decision-making and little shifting of his weight that makes the room for Shaw to assist a third. And he's only played 110 minutes, maybe. 68 of them because Mason Mount gave Billy Gilmore a hug. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what Greeley stores 
and why Southgate is a cunt. I, well, I don't care. I don't care if England win the Euros and the World Cup. Southgate will have been wrong. Oh, 100%. Like, this is what we said all along. Like, you know, it, it's hard It's hard to argue is the is the prevailing point, you know, when the team is winning. But, like, that's that's the options England have. Like, that's why England are tournament favourites. Nobody should be should be getting away from that. And I'm, I'm not just trying to sort of take away from the victory now. What we said all along was it can be way easier for them to win if they... A, pick their best players and B, play in a way that, that suits those best players. And, you know, picking Jack really should be the starting point. It, it's so simple. Like, it, it, it's not just because we're Villa fans anymore. Grealish talked about all those fans at Wembley who usually boom every week. And you know, he's, he's <laughs> delighted to hear them singing. And, and, like, because they're singing his name, he wants to pay them back of goals and assists. And he said, hopefully my goal's not too far away. Like, that, that's the way Grealish thinks about football. Um, and... That's why the fans are singing his name. There's no... Like, we, we went through the list of reasons last week. It's pathetic, like, the list of reasons for people suggesting why Jack Grealish should be... Or why people want Jack Grealish in the team. And all these journalists and all the people in the media, you know, rhyming them off, like, you know, name it, hard work, uh, racism. Everything from hard work to racism. Like, this is why people want Jack Grealish in the team, apparently. That's what he brings you. And you right to mention Luke Shaw. It was the same... It was the same against Czech Republic. It wasn't a coincidence that that England's fullbacks are suddenly involved in the game when Jack Grealish is there. And the two goals, Shaw to Grealish, goal. Grealish to Shaw, goal. Like, you know, he brings these boys into it more often. He gives them a platform. He holds the ball for longer. Like, how little he's played. With how little he's played, he has produced the most runs in the final third, like progressive carries. He's traveled into the box more than anybody. And he's hardly even played. And what he does is he just lights up everybody else around him. And he lights up my heart. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, <laughs> I was hoping England would lose there. Let's let's be honest. We're we're Irish, but um we're Irish and Jack Grealish hasn't been playing. And we've got a lot of uh a lot of history of criticizing Southgate now as well, so it would be easier. If, <laughs> <laughs> it would be easier to do these podcasts if they did fucking lose, but but it is like it's it's hard to root against a Jack Grealish team, and uh, it's always good because they've got them in the in the sweepstick. Yeah, look, and I, I'm in a WhatsApp group, obviously, and somebody just texted in whenever Jack Grealish flashed up on the screen, saying a lot of Villa fans at Wembley today, Liam, and I just text back football fans. That this is what they want. They yeah. want Jack Grealish. Anybody who appreciates the sport wants Jack Grealish on the pitch. And England could have breezed through these games. Like they have the talent. And I would find it very hard to go against them. Go against willing them to lose. <laughs> like I would take the soup, Conan. I would drink it until I was <laughs> fucking sick. If England just let themselves be free. And like, I, I hope it's needless for me to point out that I have no problem with the team's devising pragmatic approaches to to win in football matches. But pragmatism doesn't have to mean dogging out a win. Yeah. And there's nothing pragmatic about going against the grain, working so hard against the natural inclinations and talents of your squad. Yeah. And pragmatism doesn't mean looking at what you have and saying, ah, you know what? Fuck that. Give me Maguire and Trippier and Rice and Phillips. <laughs> like I, I have no team I have no problem with teams doing that. I have no problem with Tony Pulis's Stoke City. Asking peak Arsene Wenger's Arsenal or trough Arsene Wenger's Arsenal, asking them how big is your stomach? What's your appetite for the fight here? Because that's what they have to do. They have to outcompete them because they can't outplay them. 
Cesc Fabregas is better than Ricardo Fuller and Glenn Whelan. I don't care what you say, Connor. <laughs> but, like, you know, T- Tony Pulis didn't have Foden, Mount, Sterling, Kane, Saka, or Jack fucking Grealish. Do you know who did? Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce had Jack Grealish, Abraham, and McGinn in the championship, and he couldn't figure out what to do with him. And I hounded him out because I knew if you put Jack Grealish together with an actual football manager, they would just breeze through the championship. <laughs> yeah. The same way this England team should be breezing through this competition. So that brings us all nicely to Declan Rice's interview afterwards. There were a couple of in, a few interesting interviews after the game, and and Declan Rice's was especially fascinating because he's somebody who's just clearly on social media too much for somebody who's involved in a tournament. And like you, know, one of the first things he said was, you know, a lot of people are writing us off, or they had written us off after the group stage, and like that's a good win. Today, right? Beating Germany is good in a knockout game. Like that's exactly what we were saying England need to do. Like we we will talk later about the actual threat of Germany and you know how, how big an achievement this is. But we had said like you know England can't just keep coming up against a decent team and that's automatically them failing. So like you know beating Germany is good. It's par for the course. It's it's a, it's at most par for the tournament favourites. So, like, that's what Declan Rice needs to realise when he's talking about people had written us off. They were they, they were criticising the team because they were playing terribly against a, you know, a bad Croatia team and a, a worse Czech Republic team, I would say. And then he also went on to say Raheem Sterling has proven so many people wrong. Um, This is an interesting one. Sterling, I think, is in the spotlight a lot, but for the same reasons that I mentioned, for the same reasons we're talking about Jack Grealish. Like, Sterling was terrible against Scotland. There's no getting away from that. There, there was nothing unfair about the criticism that he got. Well, for, from what I saw, anyway, I'm sure I'm sure there was unfair criticism somewhere along the way. But performance-wise, he was bad. And it was terrible that they, again, that they weren't playing Grealish, that they weren't releasing Foden a bit more, that Sancho was just consigned to basically shouldn't be there. And like, that's why Sterling was coming under heat. Sterling has scored a few goals, but even tonight, like I would say, say Saka and Grealish were better than him overall. Like, you can't you can't get away from the from the output. He's got three goals in four games. That's great. Rio Ferdinand said, "Can we please start putting some respect on Raheem Sterling's name?" Like, people respect Raheem Sterling, but this is an England team with an embarrassment of riches. That's the problem. And if you're not playing well. Even Harry Kane is under threat. Like that's that, that, that's what people are saying. Harry Kane should he be playing any longer? That's what happens when you've got a team this good, and that's what was happening with Sterling. I, th- I think I think that like, some of the the pushback to what's been written or said about people like Sterling is is a bit too much. Yeah, definitely. And you can play you can play badly, and and you know might you might get away with it, especially if you're someone of Raheem Sterling stature someone who's been so good for so long but Sterling's problem is that there's so many good players waiting to come in that's yeah. that's all this is based on he was playing shit and there were players there that to take his place and the Saka was Saka was very good again tonight but I thought Sterling was actually England's best player he was he was dangerous he was adventurous and he was on his fucking own until Jack Grealish came on really I thought I mean he had nobody to play with until that moment, apart from the ghost of Kane's past, like it was, it was pathetic from the rest of the team. I thought he was the only one who was trying things. He was carrying the threat, but he would just be carrying it, and there'd be 
There'd be nobody there with him, nobody on the same wavelength, no one else making those breaking runs into the box. It was tough for him tonight. Yeah. But he was good tonight. He was much, much better tonight. And he deserved his goal in the end because whenever Grealish came on, Sterling came alive. Easy. Maybe maybe that's the problem. I'm looking at that, the problem in that he didn't have any help. Like, I was watching a lot of his runs thinking, this guy just runs and runs and runs until until something happens. Like, you know, and it, it's admirable in a way. And a lot of the times it's dangerous, but most of the time he just eventually runs out of the road into someone. And obviously he doesn't have any options. Like that chance that Kane got, we'll talk about that in more detail, but before half time. Like that was just Sterling running and running and, and not making a decision. I was almost frustrated at his what I thought was just inability to make the right decision at the at that clutch time. And he just ran into a tackle and bobbled off an all defender who was coming in and it sat up for Kane. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't have enough help. And like obviously I'm a big fan of Sterling and he's sharper than anybody I've seen. On a pitch like the way like the one two you plays a city are just devastating. Maybe maybe Sterling is good after all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe no. Rio Ferdinand's on to something. <laughs> but like, like England were playing with seven backs yeah. and Saka was being worked like a dog and <laughs> Harry Kane hasn't turned up to the tournament. Like you know Sterling was out doing it on his own. I I thought it was really tough for him tonight, and I was watching him just to make sure that I hadn't been overly critical of him because I was desperate for Jack Grealish to get on, and he was good tonight and definitely deserved to stay on the pitch. Coming up, we're going to talk about this game: England two, Germany nil. I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next best thing. Oh, who, who was it that said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, Lord? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship? Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. We're going to start with the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. A lot in the first half. Most of them in the first half, actually. The first one, Harry Maguire's header. That, that was bad. You expect big slabhead to be putting that away. Like That's, that's, what, that's what Harry Maguire's 2018 was doing all along. Just getting on the end of a cross. And putting it away, but God, it looked like he'd never headed a ball before when that just fifty p'd off him. It was Courtney Howes esque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so bad. He has to score there. I think he, there's a little bit of pressure from Goosens, but McGuire's head weighs more than that, lad. <laughs> get him out of the way. Get your big slab on it, and give your country the lead. That's the moment. Yeah, and do you know what? That was like that was actually. The second, there was one that he had a header from about 12 yards out that he had it straight at the keeper as well. Cushioned it back to Neuer, yeah. Yeah, completely free. And he looked like 
he looked like he freaked out. I thought it was the plan. Everybody broke away from him and yeah. left him free. And he he freaked out with all the space, and you could see him shuffling his feet, looking around, like what are you like? Relax. The ball's being crossed in. Yeah, and, uh, he's got it. Got a bit of Theo Walcott's, didn't they? Too much time to think. Last thing you want to give those lads. <laughs> you mentioned Gozens. Uh, not getting to that ball. Lovely cross from Kimmich. And, yeah. You know, I know Walker and Trippier are there, putting them under a bit of pressure. Get to the fucking ball and score. It's an open net for you. Like Pickford's not going to do anything about it. Yeah, it's Kimmich's cross is delicious, and I just, I just don't know if he goes for it aggressively enough. It I mean, doesn't. You, you said it there, and it's there for him. There's a bit of pressure, but he gets between the two lads. And then he kind of stops. It's, it's, I don't know what he was doing. It was That was hard to watch. <sighs> Timo Werner. A, like, you know, Kai Havertz getting into that pocket all day. Again. <laughs> where, where were England's two centre defensive midfielders? Well, this boy, every time I looked up, the number seven of Germany was just floating around in the position where you want one defensive midfielder, never mind two of them. And he just had all the joy in the world, just threading balls through you. And he... He put Werner through. I think it's a decent save from Pickford. It's, it's a good save from Pickford. But like, he hasn't even, he hasn't hit it low or high. He's he sat it up for Pickford's arse to save it, basically. And ugh, it was just typical Werner, wasn't it? Look, if, if Timo Werner gets the ball in your box, the only thing you have to worry about as a defender is getting yourself free to receive the ball from the keeper. <laughs> I mean, this lad is a clown. He has to lift that ball. Yeah. even 12 inches off the ground and it's a goal but no Timo has different ideas he waits for Pick Pickford actually commits himself he throws himself on the ground it's a yeah. centre forward's dream but he just hits it off him he's a, he's a joke this guy is done he yeah. is he's up there with Shevchenko this is one of the worst signings of all time he's he's an absolute clown well I don't know what it is about Chelsea jersey like Shevchenko is one and Torres is the other like he, he carries himself like Torres now, like a, a Chelsea Torres. I mean, he, his body language is dreadful. It looks like he thinks he's shit. It looks like he thinks no, he's being talked no, about as he's playing. Knows he's shit. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, and like he, he looks like he does. It looks like he wants to come off all the time. And, and <laughs> every every time he has a chance, he feels sorry for himself. It's like, oh no, I, like, I have to go through all this again. And everybody's going to everybody's going to watch the replays of it. Everybody's going to say I should have scored, and, <laughs> and I just can't do it. But they keep asking me to do it. That's what it looks like. It's going through his head. It's a fucking supposed to be a lethal striker. Yeah, and and like you're right to mention the first the first ten minutes. It was just so easy for Germany. They were just picking up the ball between the lines, running straight through the middle, right through the middle of the pitch. Yeah. But England they settled under the game after that, but. The, on, luckily for them it was Timo Werner who was up top for Germany it, <laughs> he was he's so bad and he because he's quick he gets free and people think that's enough Yeah, he's playing centre forward yeah. being able to run is the absolute bare minimum I would have thought isn't it a bit sad that so many people were fawning over his run remember in the Champions League final for, for Havertz's goal he, he basically yeah. ran out of the way he, he made a decoy run like let me tell you I am the best decoy runner in the world. <laughs> but like, Conan, that's not Timo Werner's run either. It's, <laughs> yeah. That's Thomas's Tuchel's run. He's told him to do that. <laughs> yeah. So Timo, what we've learned here is that Timo Werner can speak English <laughs> and he can move his legs. That's all we've learned from that Champions League final goal. 
well, hang on. Thomas Tuchel can speak German, so we don't know where to speak English. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's, it's a basic thing. Like, he wants your forward moving, and he moved. He, he moved into a channel where he wasn't going to receive the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Havertz made the better run. He ran into the space that was vacated, and Mount played the pass to him. The only thing that I thought was noteworthy from all the stills and slow-mos of, of, of that replay, of that goal, was that Diaz felt the need to follow them. <laughs> He vacated centre back team run after Werner for Jesus. If Werner gets the ball down the left wing, what the yeah. fuck might happen? Nothing will happen. Let him go. Let him have it. Yeah, well, exactly. Like you know, the centre back should never be going out there anyway. But also know who you're playing against. Like you know, adjust your game for that. If it's Timo Werner, it's grand. <laughs> the last of the first half, Harry Kane's first touch. Um, they were suggesting maybe he could have. Could have put it away on his left. Like it just just make the touch better. Like the idea was right. Get it onto your right. You'll have you'll have uh, given the keeper the shoulders or to drop the shoulder on him, and you have an open net. And the touch is just purr. It's a great slide tackle clearance from Hummels. But in fairness to Harry Kane, it was probably his first touch of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually his ninth, I think, which is pathetic in forty five minutes. But uh, that's the one I mentioned. Sterling just running into into a tackle and it bobbled up and it came to Kane and just a first touch of a striker who's who's low on confidence I would say yeah and it is you're right to say it's a really good clearance from Hummels and he does particularly well to get it behind Saka as well but it's it's absolutely dreadful from Kane I think you've said both things there I mean first of all he is so close to goal just hit it with your left on the half volley smash it it's so it's so easy or even just trickle it Neuer's fucked like you can't save it you're too close to the nets Get the ball on target, slightly to the side of Neuer, and it's it's a goal. But if you are going to take a touch, then take a fucking touch. That that is just desperate. It's just this is this is elite level football. You should be able to control the football. There's no pace on it. It was terrible from Harry Kane, who's having an absolute stinker. And the only other one I have is uh, Thomas Muller running straight through, and one of those ones where it felt like he had so much time to bask in what was happening like you, you rarely see that like you're starting to give the ball away Havertz again plays him through and you, you're there like watching this event unfold in slow motion and like I remember I still remember everything that was happening during that time and it, you know I remember thinking come on Muller like it's Muller this will be good and, and he pulls it wide like I thought he was going to go to the other side and then the replays made it look worse it was like Pickford had left like both sides open like there was actually, I was wondering why he went to the left, and it was like, well, because Pickford actually left a lot of space down that left. I thought, I thought the easy finish was just curling that round on the outside. Pickford was so far out of his goals, he had so much time. Like he had burned Stones and Maguire. It was actually Walker who was furthest away who got there, got there nearest him, and he tries to pull it inside, and he should still score that, and he's pulled it wide. But of course, the BBC commentary was quick to give Pickford all the praise for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you did the right thing when you're under pressure in a big moment you always go across your body it's the easier strike of the ball you can just trust it more you do it more often on the pitch but that was the chance and I was so happy when I realised it was Muller that was through Yeah, when I realised Werner had already been hooked <laughs> it was the man you want it was the man you want for the big moment bearing down on goal and unfortunately like you say Kyle Walker came running in from my nightmares 
roaring past Stones and getting there before Maguire as well. Both of them had about 15 yards head start on him. And he, he forced Muller to take it slightly earlier than I'm sure Muller would have liked, but ah, he still has to score. It's 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 the moment. What do you have as the winner? I think it's actually they're 1-0 down. Like that is the moment, as you say. That's changes the game. England were panicking around that stage as well. Like they could have actually gone on and won it. Um, that was that was the one. That's the biggest moment of the match, without a doubt. But uh, for Ronnie Rossendahl award, you can't look much further than a centre forward missing from five yards out. That's fair. Well done, Timo Werner, on another Ronnie Rossendahl award. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you, meter. Seven defensive players. Um, like this, this England team, this England squad. Gareth Southgate is the benefactor of England's best team in living memory, best options in living memory, and he's picked seven defensive players against a Germany team who, let's face it, they're not at Germany level. I'm not going to take away from the win, but it's it's not Germany of seven years ago. It's 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 a poor Germany side who were almost they were six minutes away from being put out by Hungary. Like that's that's who they could have been playing six minutes, you know, despair. And you know, it, I don't know what it is about. I don't know if you call it a three four three, a five three two, or whatever. Like you, know, I'm not even talking about England's setup at the minute. But everyone always feels the need to match up against teams who play wing backs, and that's what Southgate definitely felt the need to do. I, I would say Neville and Jose Mourinho also echoed those sentiments, like with their with their team lineups during the week but but they're also just have a disposition to be really negative and really frightened um and and there you have it like of all those options he's picked five defenders he's picked phillips and rice and he's even picked saka who's a good player but like you know ultimately he's, he's a wing back really yeah it was pathetic really i mean you're playing three center midfielders or three center backs you can't get away with playing those two center midfielders no i mean what planet are you on that's just that's unforgivable stuff and they were dreadful as well yeah like i mentioned before and you've mentioned that habits were just picking up the ball for fun just running through the middle and it was just the i was gonna say running between or getting in between the lines but there were no lines it was like (laughs) it was Eight players and Harry Kane and Sterling up top. That was it. There was just nothing there. I mean, to play that many defenders across what was supposed to be a midfield and for them to not be there was just bizarre stuff. And uh, to be fair to England, though, I think they really settled into it after those initial minutes. They did get shifted into a 3-4-3 on the ball quickly and they were aggressive in their in their passing and getting it forward into that three to be fair, you'd be looking to bypass that middle four as much as possible. Yeah, and and Germany really enabled it as well. I mean, Germany were so sloppy on the ball; it was just bouncing off them. It was, it was bad from Germany. I, I the game could have been a lot better. It, it nearly, it nearly developed into a good game if both teams just weren't so, weren't so bad on the ball once they got into the, got into the, the attacking third. I mean. Think about this referee as well. I mean, like, what happened? What had to happen for those German players to realize that the ref had to whistle sound tape to his mouth, <laughs> and they could just not resist having a nibble? And it was foul after foul. It was such a messy game in that middle third. And if they both weren't so stacked in the back line and so blunt in attack, we could have had a cracker. I heard you say Tony Pulis earlier on. 
when England were especially bad in the first 10 minutes. And, and like, yeah, they did settle down and stuff. I, I didn't think they were great either for, for most of the first half. I, I, I thought about Tony Peels because I thought, like, England England are, are just becoming set-piece merchants. <laughs> you know, they're going to be a threat because they have so many good defenders and they've got good players who can play good balls into the box. That That's what their biggest threat is going to become. And then unbelievably I can't believe that I'm thinking about these two managers when I'm watching this England team I thought of Ian Holloway I, <laughs> I thought of his 5-4-1 Blackpool's, Blackpool team like, Black is, Balls was fine Connor. <laughs> like this is what I'm thinking when I'm watching Gareth Southgate's England in that first half because because for, for a large period it was nothing like a 3-4-3 it was, it was 5-4-1 with with Saka and Sterling having to do a lot of defending. And then, you know, again, I've said this before, but whatever whatever Harry Kane was doing as well. Like and and they were just so slow to, to come out of that. And then, yeah, in fairness, they, they did come out of it and and they were helped by, I think, the performance of the three centre backs in like Maguire and, and Walker especially were stepping up well and winning ball back. And like this made it all the more pointless for these two holding midfielders. I don't remember them. Yeah, you said Germany were bad. Were they needed at any stage? Like, I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't think though why why they would have been there because because Maguire and Walker and Stones were just stepping out and winning the ball back. So like, what what what, what is the role of those two boys? You're just taking away from from someone else up top. You have five defenders. They're all good. Relax. But the the role was to to stop Havertz from getting on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that tells you everything you need to know about Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips' performance <laughs> like Havertz was easily Germany's best player he was the only player that was offering anything yeah. for them the Gareth Southgate whole thing in this meter or his wish you meter again that was going down seven defensive players I don't know if this is going up or down Bakayo Saka I thought he was good but again I'm just thinking about the options you know, and, and, and it's frustrating. Like, th- think of the hoops that Grealish has had to jump through. Like, you know, and the stuff that he's been told to do to to get into this England team and work his way in. And every time he plays, he's man in the match. And we're still asking, you know, is he going to, has he done enough to start the next game? Like Saka plays one good game, a very good game against Czech Republic. And bang, he's in because he's, because he's with a quote-unquote top six club. They're obviously not a top six club. Mikel Arteta is your manager. But, you know, so Saka's straight in. Fine, good player again, not getting at him, but left out is Foden, is Grealish, is Mount. And I, I was wondering, like, on top of the seven defensive players that are named, I heard a lot of English journalists about Grealish a couple of weeks ago saying that the feeling in the changing room is that the players think Gareth Southgate doesn't trust Grealish's defensive ability, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, so this is what the players are obviously telling these journalists. And I thought, that's interesting because obviously they're thinking, what the fuck? Why is Grealish not playing? So, so they're having to justify it some way by saying, well, it must be because of this. And, and they're guessing, why is Grealish not playing? And now when Foden, Grealish and Mount are left out, Saka's thrown in. There's seven defensive players. I keep reiterating that. There has to be, there has to be eyeballs flying around the changing room when he's naming this team. And he's skipping over Foden, and he's skipping over Grealish, and he's skipping over Mount, and you know, and he's going with the the lineup that he's going with. There, there has to be a bit of 
a bit of chat about this, you know, people starting to raise their eyebrows. Yeah, and but I, I, to be honest, I don't think I don't think there would be because a lot of people aren't that bright. I mean, they'll just they'll just see that Saka played well the last game, and that's enough. They yeah. won't bother going back to the fact that Grealish always plays well for Aston Villa and for England. That, that doesn't matter. Saka played well, so he's justified to be in the team. They won't bother making the connection that Jack Grealish plays well, but for some reason he's not justified to be in the yeah. team. So um, I think I'm going to put that down on the meter, not too far, but and not getting that Saka, but just getting that the, the overall frustration, like you know. For Grealish to get in a squad initially, like you know, a, I'd say a year overdue, a year overdue for when it definitely should have happened. Um, he got in because Rashford got injured, pulled out late to the squad. He pulled Grealish in, got man in the match. <laughs> you know, but now they're at the tournament and he's he's not playing him, and he's been told he needs to do this and that and this and that, and then Saka just jumps straight in ahead of him, and Grealish comes on and, and changes the game for England. So yeah, that's going down. Also going down, Kieran Trippier, like. Again, not not getting at him, but like Kyle Walker is enough. Like you don't need that extra right back to help out to watch Gosens. Walker can keep an eye on him. And also just thought it was interesting that they're 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 going back to wing backs and they have two of the Champions League winning wing backs in reserve, Chilwell and James. But they've overlooked the two of them. Like again, Shaw's obviously grand. But they've overlooked James and brought in Trippier of all of them. And like this is now this is now a third player he's played. At right back, it's bizarre stuff. A third player in four games. You guys okay, got to use them all. Um, <laughs> he played Trent Alexander in the in the last warm up game as well. Yeah. It's ah uh, yeah, it's mental. And the, the strangest thing about it is, as grand as Trippy is, Reese James is on a on a different level. He's a much much superior player. Reese James is brilliant defensively, so strong, so fast, and he's incredible technique yeah. and vision on the ball. He's just a much more rounded player than Kieran Trippy. But, you know, you just can't trust him. You just can't trust that Champions League winning right back because he hasn't played in a tournament in which England didn't play any good teams except for the teams that beat them. <laughs> going up, they, they beat Germany 2-0 in fairness. Um, and that is basically the first point of going up, beating Germany. How far should this be going up on the metre? Not far at all. I mean, let's, let's be very clear here about this Germany team. I mean, the last tournament they were in, they went out in the group stage. In this one, they had to come from behind twice and needed to score in the last six minutes against Hungary to limp over the line. This is a Hungarian side that warmed up for the tournament by failing to beat Ireland. Germany's last competitive game before the Euros was a home defeat to North Macedonia. <laughs> Seven months ago, they lost to Spain. 6-0. Jesus. Like They had to beg Hummels and Muller to come back two weeks before the tournament, after they were just inexplicably retired by the manager. Not for football reasons, just because it was time to move on, yeah. apparently. <laughs> I mean, let their ability tell you it's time to move on. Let Timo Werner tell you if you can move on from Thomas Muller. <laughs> but having to ask them back on the eve of the tournament tells you a lot about this team. And This Germany team is done. They've been finished under this management team for three years. They've been just a, they've been a walking corpse. And they're still strong enough on paper, other than declaring absence of a centre-forward. But, you know, Yogi Love has had an incredible record of finals and semi-finals to go along with his World Cup, but he's finished with his team. Yeah, He's just a crotch-sniffing weirdo who's lingered along too long, like the smell on his fingertips. 
Yeah, and I think that record you mentioned is the reason why like, you know, Hansi Flick is coming in. Get him in. Like The team is in need of a change. You've got a great manager who you've confirmed is coming in to take over the team. But you know, out of respect to, to love, they basically they sacrificed this tournament and, and England. Yeah, England I gladly benefited from it. Final one going up on the meter. They haven't conceded in four games. Harry Maguire, another interesting interview afterwards. Yeah, you know, a lot of these players like, have a chip on their shoulder. Maybe that's a good thing, I don't know. But, you know, Harry Maguire doesn't need a chip on his shoulder on behalf of Jordan Pickford. <laughs> and he talked about, like, you know, we've got a lot of good defenders. He's right there. And he said they have a good goalkeeper as well. And he said, with the scrutiny the Premier League gets, every goal gets analysed and people pick up on the slightest things. Yeah, they pick up on mistakes that lead to goals. <laughs> and they do that about the best defenders like that's that's the fucking deal and if you can't cope with that you end up at Watford and if you can't cope with that you, you go further down the division like that's how it works like you know that, that's why people pick up on these things you're conceding goals and you're not supposed to be um, obviously like there's probably a, a bit of a personal bite back from him on that as well like you know considering how much scrutiny he gets too but yeah, but like, you know, overall four games, they haven't conceded. They are looking strong and tight, which is their overall aim of the setup. Yeah, of course. If <laughs> you play seven defenders, you can expect to not concede very many goals, especially <laughs> yeah. whenever you're playing against teams that aren't very good. Yeah. Like, Germany don't have a forward player. <laughs> Thomas Muller there might as well get out his fucking Zimmer frame when he was bearing down on goal. He couldn't have been moving any slower. Kyle Walker was 60 yards away and he got there at the same time as Muller to the edge of the box. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what Timo Werner is. Serge Gnabry might as well have not come on. That was just a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> Germany are shite. Oh, look, we'll pause, get our breath back, take a quick break, and we'll see you in a second. The Gary Neville, Maguire is England's most important player, worst take award. <laughs> Gary Neville is absolutely buzzing today. He's just tweeted. He has just tweeted in a state of delirium. Our manager knows what he's doing. He's put a lot of eggs in this basket. In fairness, just like we put them on the other basket. Of- <laughs> 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 so maybe we should just respect each other now at this stage. Gary Southgate said a lot of stuff he's going to regret. We've you know, maybe post it sometimes as well. I don't think we have. Fuck Gary Neville. No, we, we definitely haven't. Gary Neville can go fuck himself. <laughs> Gary Neville is Don Revy and we are Brian Clough. We want <laughs> we want to win as well. We just want to do it right. Yeah. And you know what? History. History will will be kind to us. More kind to us. First, first nomination for the Worst Take Award. Oliver Holt. Tweeted before the game. Portugal quote-unquote, had a go, end quote, against Germany. Portugal went for it. Germany played them off the park. Sometimes it feels like we're addicted to heroic failure. Uh, where do you start with this one? Um, you know, you know, Hungary went for it as well against Germany. <laughs> and they had a lot of success. <laughs> um, but do you, remember, do you remember when England underwent this overhaul? to develop you know, better, more technical players that they were crying out for for decades. Now these players are here and they're better than anybody could have ever hoped for and, and there are more more of them than anybody could ever have dreamed of. 
And people like Oliver Holt have just immediately, before we've even tried them out, they filed him into the heroic failure category. You know, by playing these players, like that's what you're asking for. As if, as if the safest bet is sticking to the same mentality that required that overhaul in the first place. You know, Oliver Holt thinks like that's, that's stupid carry on playing your best players. The, the, the people that, that England were prescribed, the players that they needed all along. And now they're here, he's saying, no, 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 let's just, let's just, you know, we know what we're doing, we're English, we'll stick to the English way. Like, we don't want any heroic failures around here. How about, how about some victories? Like, that's what these players will help bring. But um, bad, bad take from, from old Ollie. Yeah, I mean, there's been hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds put into developing these players, of developing the whole infrastructure around having a football team to be proud of. And there's been hundreds and hundreds of column inches dedicated by plonkers like Oliver Holt <laughs> demanding this change, demanding precisely this. And now that it's here, it's just all too real for them. Yeah. And there's just this, because of the coward who is in charge, there is just this fetishization of pragmatism. But like I said, it isn't pragmatic to play like this if you have to pick Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. <laughs> the, Spain are pragmatic. They keep the ball. That's that's another way to be pragmatic. Yeah. If you beat the other team off the park, they can't beat you. You don't have to just cling on against them. Yeah. And you have and you have to be you have to be you really do have to be realistic about how bad this Germany team are. France made them look good, but that's because Didier Deschamps has gone up this blind alley of thinking that he has to play like this. Didier Deschamps had a really successful World Cup, but again, it's the same way that England are going to have a successful year. It's because of the players, and it's in spite of the manager. Yeah. You go back and look at the amount of goals France actually scored in that knockout phase, a lot of the time when they were forced to do it. You know, the players had to come out and play the the way we talk about it with England sometimes when they go behind, or, you know, that's when when good players react. United, that, that, that's the example that we used. You know, they're not coached well. They go behind. The good players come out because they're pissed off being behind against lesser opposition. The more pragmatic thing, surely, is playing players like Jack Grealish who can help create two goals. Like, scoring two goals is way more pragmatic than drawing nil-nil. You know, like that, like that, that's the best way of going about That's the most practical thing you can do in a tournament. Play players who can win games. And it's it's not a risk. It showed there tonight. Bring on Grealish and he scored. Well, you've shown that in the other game as well. <laughs> you bring on Grealish and you'll create more chances. It's not a fucking surprise. I mean, this whole approach would have made a lot more sense during the 2018 World Cup. But yeah. during the 2018 yeah. World Cup, Deli Ali and Jesse Lingard were playing in front of Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson was playing on his own in midfield. Yeah, this is a this is a different team. Yeah, that's 100%. Second nomination. <laughs> Jurgen Klinsmann, yet again, comparing Harry Maguire to Lucio. Um, we, 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 <laughs> we, we've slagged uh, Harry Maguire enough defensively, or not even defensively, just about how Gary Neville sees him as, as this uh, Thor-like leader. But Klinsmann, in fairness to Gary Lineker, I, I was glad he did ask him to sort of elaborate on why he called Harry Maguire a Mustang and I mean like you know the the wild horses not not a fucking uh, 
the, the car Mustang, like the, these powerful wild horses, like you know, that's what Klinsman referred to Harry Maguire as. And he said, Yeah, because he reminds him of Lucio, a player that he used to manage, and the way he just strides through the middle of the field when he gets when he gets bored. It's like, what? when has Harry Maguire ever done that? When Harry Maguire is venturing forward with the ball, it always looks perilous. You know, like it, it, it's always a case of like fucking hell, get rid of this ball, like, you know, or do not lose it because you're not going to get back. But, uh, <laughs> you, can, you can definitely see why Harry Klinsmann's uh, managerial career and director career wasn't too successful. Like, Harry Maguire from time to time will strike the ball quite cleanly and he'll play it through the lines quite well. Yeah. But he's an 80 million point centre half. Of course he will do that every once in a while. <laughs> he's not fucking Lucio. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it's a, it's, an, it's a weird comparison as well because Lucio wasn't particularly great. I mean, like if you're going to make a comparison like that, <laughs> pick somebody who was brilliant. You call him Thiago Silva or something like that. Be calling him fucking Lucio. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm being too harsh on Klinsman here. Maybe he's nailed on. Maybe, maybe <laughs> he's nailed it. Sorry. But like uh, Harry Maguire, you're right to say it looks perilous. It's it's so stupid for so many reasons because he's quite awkward and clumsy on the ball. Yeah. And if he loses it, he's not getting back. You know, this this isn't the same as Roberto Carlos taking the piss up yeah. in the wing and losing the ball. It's grand. He'll get back. He can run 100 metres in 10 seconds. Marcelo, Kyle Walker. <laughs> exactly. Like this, Harry Maguire dandering into the middle field is just alarm bells ringing. <laughs> I can just hear the opposition players. Let him have it. Let him have it. Well, who was it against? Was it against Chelsea where he, he wandered out into the pitch? And he tried to run around in a circle. Yeah, Chelsea. Like, trying to run around in a circle, controlling the ball. The circle had a radius of about 20 metres. <laughs> and at no point was he in control of that football. <laughs> yeah. And then he finally gets a bit of composure. The Chelsea player is so confused by what is happening here that he gives him a second debrief. And he just hooks it out to fucking Ben Chilwell. <laughs> uh, speaking of Chelsea, good segue. Last nomination for the worst take award. I'm remembering... Harry Redknapp's appearance on TalkSport when Frank Lampard was in his dying days of, as a Chelsea manager and Harry Redknapp came on to launch a staunch defence of his of his nephew and lambasted their transfer activity. Lampard didn't want the Germans, did he? He didn't <laughs> ask for the Germans. The, the only only good player there is Ben Chilwell. That's the only good sign they've made. There's all the two Germans. I don't know. I don't know about them. The two Germans are talking about Werner and Havertz, one of which... He got right. One of which he got right. One of which he got monumentally wrong. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, where do you start with this? It didn't matter even if the Germans were shite. There was more than enough quality in that Chelsea squad, as we subsequently saw, and was plainly obvious to everyone. Apart from Frank Lampard's fucking family members. <laughs> why the fuck are Sky Sports interviewing an uncle about the job his nephew is doing? <laughs> it was Sky and Talk Sport, by the way. But, but the, to, just to be honest, like what what's more worrying is that they're interviewing a purported football expert, and he doesn't know who Kai Havertz is. <laughs> the Germans. This is the hottest prospect in European football. I mean, Frank Frank Lampard didn't want him. He needs to be sacked for that alone. <laughs> yeah, that would be enough reason to pull them in after that interview, play it for him, and be like. Like, this isn't true, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Either this isn't true, right? If, if it's not true, good. That's good. 
but your uncle doesn't know who Kai Havertz is. You're out. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Maybe we should give that award to Harry Redknapp just in the spirit of, of how good Havertz was. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Does any country get as excited as English fans do about throw-ins? Yeah. <laughs> I remember covering an NFL game. Covering, I went over on. A, I got a press passport for a free trip, basically. But um, it was in Wembley, and uh, oh, I was Forty ers against Jacksonville Jaguars, and boys were being interviewed afterwards. Like, you know, what, what do you think of the London crowd? Blah blah blah. And they were like, Yeah, you know, you guys, you, you guys are sort of celebrating field goals and stuff like that. We don't really do that. <laughs> you know, for them, a field goal is a failure. Like, and and uh, I just thought a lot like you know it's only England where you get everybody on their feet and the raucous noise when the ball trickles out for a throw in 30 metres out you know it's all it means is that <laughs> all it means that the other team are getting back you know the ball in your hands you have to transfer that to somebody's foot to get it under control again and start from there it's not, it's not a big fucking like the days of Rory Delap are pretty much gone you know like it's not a chance it's just a ball further up the pitch and it's grim that that's what people get excited about. We've come from full circle. We've come back to Tony Pulis. I mean, maybe that <laughs> stadium is just absolutely full of West Brom and Stoke fans. <laughs> and it, it is weird. It is pathetic. I mean, like, yeah, fine. Celebrate your team. You forced, you forced the fullback to kick the ball out of play. And now they've been able to reset their defence. I mean, maybe they just don't understand football. Or maybe they just really appreciate Harry Kane's ability to launch the ball. How disappointed were you at Mbappe pretending to be injured after he missed from Paul Pogba's three ball? That was utterly pathetic. That was utterly pathetic. I was watching that with somebody who doesn't understand football and I was just like, no, 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 no. He is absolutely pretending to be injured there. It was it was terrible. You don't pull a calf stream by mishitting the ball. Like that's strike the ball. Why didn't he hit it with his right as well? Never mind that. He's waiting so long. I don't know if he's more embarrassed about the finish or his, or his decision, but either way, he deserved to be embarrassed and he didn't help himself by pretending to be injured. The embarrassment has now just doubled, pal. You don't want that from your from your big players, your superstars. Like, you know, suck it up, you missed. You have to let everybody know it's going to be all right. Ronaldo's best moment of this tournament, he, he just lashed a volley and uh, pulled it wide. This is against... This was against Germany, I think. Pulled it wide. And it was terrible. Like, you know, terrible connection on his left foot. You know, it went outside the two defenders that were blocking the goals. And his face didn't change. It, it, it just didn't react in any way. Just like, you know, well, there's a chance gone. You know, so what? <laughs> you know, give me an other chance and I'll score. And yeah. like that that's what you want. Like, that, that's what players feed off. And that's what they need to see from their big players. They don't need to see Mbappe... Blowing the fucking best chance and it hasn't scored in the tournament, and then he's overholding his leg. You sort of touched on it. What what would he have gotten injured by there? You know, like nobody believed that he was injured, so it's just a sorry sight for everybody. Yeah, and he's forgetting that there's just hundreds of camera angles trained on him at all times. <laughs> Never mind when he's got the ball. We can all see what happened there, Killian. No one's being fooled here. How impressed were you at the Swiss goalkeeper, by the way, uh, Jan Sommer, waiting for the goal line check before he started celebrating his penalty save that, that knocked out the world champions in the round of 16. Like, he's just saved the penalty. They've pulled out France. They're Switzerland, big rivalry. 
and he's telling everybody to calm down. Let's wait and see what the linesman's saying. Let's wait and see what the referee's saying. Now we can celebrate. Fuck, I've never seen composure like that in my life. I wasn't impressed. I was too annoyed. I thought when I saw him doing that, that means he's definitely off his line. looking around as well for help, thinking, oh God, maybe I'll get another chance. <laughs> the last thing Mbappe wanted there was to have another fucking penalty. <laughs> there was no way in the world Mbappe was scoring that as well. He's had such a bad tournament and he was having such a, such a bad game, topped off by that miss that we're talking about there. And... I thought it was surprising to see him wandering up to hit one, especially because everyone else was so composed. Yeah. Everybody, all the Swiss players, all the French players, they were just drilling them into the into the bottom corner or into the top corner. Most of the penalties were completely unsavable. And then Mbappe just hits it exactly where Sommer wants it. Slightly higher, maybe it wasn't a dreadful penalty, but it was it was bad. It was nowhere near the side, and that summed him up. Last one. How will Gareth Southgate view today? Now, England are through to the last eight. They've beaten Germany. But Jack Grealish played well. <laughs> so is this a good day or a bad day for Gareth Southgate? Jack, Gareth Southgate is going to feel completely justified. He's going to be feel completely justified in what he did. He held Grealish back until they needed him to win the game. That was the game plan. Keep it at 0-0 until the 70th minute and then... And then go and win it. Which is fucking stupid. If you think you can get Jack Grealish on the pitch to go win the game in 20 minutes, have him on for 90. Let's <laughs> see what he can fucking do then. If Jack Grealish can be responsible for two goals in 20 minutes, I'm no mathematician, Conan. But I reckon he could have created nine chances during that game. It's it's always a weird philosophy, isn't it, from these managers? Like... um. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it tight and then we'll, we'll try and win the game when there's way less time to try and win the game. <laughs> you know, if you try and win the game for 90 minutes, you give yourself a better chance of actually winning the game. And uh, you'll worry the other team too. You won't put yourself under so much pressure. And uh, yeah, and, and you know what? If you get 2-0 up, then you can take Jack Greenish off and play the way you really want to play and see it out then. Um, and that, that will be way easier that way rather than risking it. Like, yeah, having it all on the line for 20 minutes to go. It's like a hope. I hope somebody pulls us out here. Could have just gone Scotland way where the team were settled and, and defending and, and like the other side were rattled because they weren't used to getting chances. It's, it's a big ask of a team who haven't really been threatening. But but then Jack Grealish always answers. That's it. That's what Jack Grealish does. Jack Grealish gets onto a football pitch. He lights it up. He creates chances and he wins games for whatever team he's playing for. I'm reminded of Liam Neeson's scene in Taken. For any Man City representative out there. The rate just went up 10%. <laughs> we'll see you on Saturday. Your arrogance offends me. And for that, the rate just went up 10%.